Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This show is brought to you in association with Labbooks. Just click the link on the description to the show, sign up and get a free bet up to £50 when you enter the promo code LAD50. Go on, do it. Welcome to the Spurs show. Uh, I'm Phil Cornwell, and uh, those were some memories, weren't they? They really were some memories. Amazing, weren't they? Who are you? Yeah, good question. I don't really know. I have a name and all that, but actually who I am, difficult to respond. I'm a good man at heart, I think, but actually it's not really appropriate here, is it? Um, good question, though. Um, anyway, um, Mike Lee's here. Give him a round good evening, of Good evening, welcome. Why don't you sit we're down? We're live, we're live. We're on the way for him to come on. Oh, I haven't told the people on. at home. I have, I'm told the people at home that uh, we're live. That's why you can hear all these. We haven't got loads of people in the place where we do it. It's not a studio. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we've got two fantastic guests tonight uh, on this special uh, occasion. And uh, first one, uh, I'd like to introduce to you, this guy was at the club for 13 years. He was coach, assistant manager and manager at the lane, culminating in taking us to third in the league. Yeah, in the 83-84 season, that was in his first season at the helm. That's a record that's only uh, been matched once since then, wasn't it? Uh, 90, 1989-90, I think it was. And the current side have just equaled his unbeaten run in the league. Please welcome Mr Smooth himself, Peter Shreve! (laughs) There he is, mate. Take a seat, mate. Oh! Peter Shreve, ladies and gentlemen, and 
the next gentleman uh, really uh, well, needs no introduction. Well, he does. I'm going to introduce him. Uh, so, no, Clive Anderson here. Um, he joined Spurs in 1975 as a coach, thank God, and a year later became manager when he stayed uh, until he stayed until 1984, winning two cups. Uh, two FA Cups and a UEFA Cup trophy. Uh, and he's, after Bill Nick, the most successful Spurs manager of all time. Give it up, Keith Birkinshaw. Water, gentlemen. There we are. Yeah, nice and close. Nice and close. There you go. Nice Probably have close, to come so in nice and close. Mike? Uh, yeah? Well, here we are. Thank you so much for coming out this evening. Wonderful to have these two uh, gentlemen with us. Uh, lots of questions, and hopefully by the end, we'll try, if we've got time, we'll do a Q&A. So if you've got any questions that we don't cover, then uh, we'll go around the mic and you can ask Keith and Peter some questions. And then also, if you've got anything to sign afterwards... An orderly queue, and they're happy to have a few photos. Oh, yeah. Uh, shall I? And uh, your memorabilia signed. Do you want to kick off? Uh... Yeah, mate. Okay. Yeah, Pete, Pete, I'm going to ask you a question here. Um, you joined the uh, club a couple of years before Keith did, right? How did you, as an Islington boy, end up at Spurs <laughs> in 74? Tell us. Uh, OK, uh, everyone probably knows that I did go to Arsenal first. <laughs> we won't hold it against I, you. I was asked by Bertie Me to have a look at some Irish kids that had come over, and amongst those players now were some real international quality players. I had a good eye for young players, and uh, Terry Neal, one of the good things he did was to bring me to the club and then bring Keith to the club. So we do yeah. a big thank you to Terry Neal for that. I know yeah. he wasn't the most popular manager at the lane, but uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> good one, mate. That's good. Keith, um, I've got to ask you this. You, you arrived at Spurs in 75 uh, to work alongside um, Terry Neal, the then Spurs manager. How did it come about, Keith? And presumably that was your first time working in London as well, was it? Yes, it was. Um, how it came about, I think, uh, the light... That uh, Terry and his assistant, what was his name, Pete, again? <laughs> um, Wilf Dixon. It's organic. Wilf Dixon. Wilf Dixon, that's him. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> came from up in the northeast, and uh, I was then the first team coach with Newcastle United. And I think they looked at the way that we played the game and, uh, and said, well, we'll get him down to Tottenham, and, you know, this is the way that we want to play. So I think that, that did it. Oh, nice one. Okay. Right, but, uh, I mean, in Terry Neal's last season, we actually finished ninth. But what were then, obviously, he then left. What was the circumstances then got you the job? Because, I mean, it was a bit, you know, quite left field at the time. Yeah. Well, uh, and what was the team like that you inherited under him as well? well what did you thing, have to, to work was, with? Uh, after, that, after the season ended, uh, before Terry left, we went to, well, we did a, a round the world trip, actually. Uh, we went over to Canada, uh, into, a, into the United States, uh, down into New Zealand and Australia, and then back home. And uh, at that time, um, Terry uh, was a little bit fed up with the way that 
things were going with himself at the club, I think, and uh, he and the chairman didn't always agree on how things should be done. Uh, and when we got back home, I went off uh, for a holiday with my wife and two kids, and I, halfway through the holiday, uh, I picked up a newspaper, Terry Neal's left and gone to uh, Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, Christ, I've, I've travelled all the way down from Newcastle, got myself a house, and here I am, I've probably not got a job. <laughs> so I said to my wife, look, I'm going to put in for that job. I'll probably not get it, but I must have a go. And unbeknown to me, uh, the players uh, had uh, got together and gone on to the directors and said, we want Keith as our next manager. So I was fortunate there and uh, I got the job. And what were the players that you inherited? What, I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We were struggling for a couple of seasons. That last season we finished ninth. But, so all of a sudden you've taken over. They're not your players. What do we have then and, and what did you sort of think of them and what did you think we had to do well, to improve it? I've looked at that recently and it amazes me. All the players, with the seniors, that had got a good idea of what was needed to stay up they all left. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've got to say that we, we didn't have the, uh, the, the strongest side in the league and we struggled all season. And I must admit that there were times when I thought, well, I'm not going to be here next season the way that things are going. And we, I think we finished bottom of the league that season, did we? Your first season, yeah. Yeah, bottom yeah. of the league. Uh, but uh, the chairman Kept came life. up to me and uh, he said, Keith, he said, uh, we took you on before because we thought you were a good manager. I still think you're a good manager, but you've got to get up next season, back up into the first division. I said, OK, thanks a lot. Uh, and uh, so I got the job for the following season and we, we just managed to do that. In third, wasn't it? Was it third? Did you, did, yeah. I mean, did you think the ball was going to stick with you? I mean, it's very unusual, especially nowadays, for that to happen. Did you think that you were going to obviously be let go when we went down? Well, yeah, it, it was touch and go, I think, but I managed to stay there. Um, we really plotted things the, for, for the uh, second division. Um, we had a trip to Norway, I remember, at the end of the, that season when we went down. And also, uh, before the following season started, we went up into uh, Sweden. And all the matches were geared around how we were going to play that following season. And I don't know if any of you remember this, but Steve Perryman started off at centre-half that year. And, uh, and we played some good football in the second division. Yes, uh, and had some big, big wins. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I was actually going to ask Peter, actually, Keith's first season, he promoted you to manager of the reserve team. So what players from that team went on to play in the first team? From... Well, I'd been the youth coach for uh, five or six years, and we had some talented boys like Glenn Hoddle and Chris Hewton, and, yeah. you know, they, they was eventually obviously going to be the future of the club, yeah. and uh, they was really good. Uh, it was difficult for Keith when he came there because... Spurs then was a Cockney club. Everybody was a Cockney, and the, uh, if you miss one day's training, you was behind in the banter, because there was always someone like uh, uh, Terry, uh, Terry Naylor who would uh, liven things up. 
I want to tell you a story about Terry Naylor, which uh, <laughs> I hope will uh, tickle you. Uh, we signed Don McAllister from Bolton, who was a fullback, good-looking boy, blonde hair, walked walk past the mirror, and he walks down. <laughs> he, walk, he walks into the Spurs dressing room, and Terry Naylor says to him, uh, "Hello, son." He says, "You're that Don McAllister, aren't you?" He went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He said, "You've come to take my living away, ain't you?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, "No, no, Terry." He said, "I can play centre half or left back. I'm, I'm not bad." No, no, no. How can I tell my kids tonight when I go home and see him? <laughs> You're taking my living away from me. <laughs> So Don now and all the other people got socks in their mouth by now, not to laugh. And uh, Terry says to him, uh, I've heard you're quick. Yeah, yeah, he said, I'm quick. He said, well, there's half a quid. Go over to the baker's shop and get me two cheese rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Priceless, isn't it, that? (laughs) Can't right, imagine that right, happening right. nowadays, can you? Uh, imagine Terry um, doing that. Yeah. But, I mean, when we went down, I mean, the, the, the major thing that happened. We talked about players who left. Obviously, famously, Pat Jennings was sold to Arsenal. Well, not uh, not at that stage. Right. Sorry. Not at that stage. I don't think was he. We well, he didn't play in the in the second division, did he? You sort of. Um, uh, yeah. He, yeah. 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 You're so right. What, what, there, was, what was the story of that? Because we had Pat here a couple of years ago and. He, he, didn't, he didn't want to go. What, what was the story from your point of view? Well, I think, why he was let go? Yeah, I think uh, at the time uh, he had a testimonial um, before he left and made quite a bit of money out of it. And I think that the directors, um, he wanted uh, quite a, um, a substantial amount of money over and above what he was on and, uh, because his, his uh, contract was up. And the direct said, directors said, no, we, uh, we're not going to do that. And the, the other thing, from my point of view, was that I thought it's a shame, really, that Pat's going down into the second division because he was such a, a big, big player at the time. And I, I knew that Arsenal had tapped him up. And I knew that Ipswich had tapped him up. So, you know, I was half happy that he was going to go to a, a big club because he was such a great, great player and a great lad okay yeah I was going to say Keith many of the many of us um, here the season in the second division was uh, like a breath of fresh air <laughs> we were seeing our team largely winning because we won a lot of games didn't we and traveling the country going to grounds like Mansfield that we'd never been to which you've got to do you know before you die really um, and there were some great games and notably obviously the nine Nil win against Bristol Rovers um, when another of your signings has to be said Colin Lee got four goals and Ian Moores your first signing I believe for Spurs scored three so what are your recollections of the last few games Keith of that season when we had a little bit of a wobble uh, we beat Bolton with a McAllister diving header in front of over 50,000 fans then we lost to Brighton and Sunderland and we needed three points from our last two games against Hull and Brighton. So what were your memories of that period, Sorry, that, that time? Well, was I knew we, we, all of a sudden we started to struggle towards the yeah. end of the season. And uh, I think the players lost it a little bit. But then we got to go to Southampton at the, the last game. And everything hung on that one where we got to get at least a draw. 
or else we were not going to be promoted. Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, we went there, and Southampton were top of the league, I think, that season, were they? And uh, the other one was Bolton. Uh, So it was touch and go, but we managed to do it. And we managed to, I think it was uh, nil-nil, the game. Um, And I was quite happy that we'd we'd done it that way. But when I look back on on the stats, I think that we were possibly the leading goal scorers that season in that league. So I was half happy that we, we were going in the right direction. Yeah, you must have been relieved as well, actually, to yeah. have gone back to where we belong, obviously. Go on, Mike, sorry. Um, after promotion, obviously, we, we had to strengthen. Um, and uh, we've got to ask you now about the signing of the, the two Argentinians, how it came about, because there's so many versions I've heard. There's, there's the version that Harry Haslam was going to sign Maradona for uh, Sheffield United. Terry Neal was trying to get Aussie for Arsenal. What was the real story from your point of view? Well, it was, uh, if you remember, it was after the World Cup had taken place in uh, Argentina in 1978. And uh, um, Bill Nick uh, was at the club and uh, a phone call came through from Harry Aslam. And he said to Bill Nicholson, uh, do you think Keith would want to sign uh, Osvaldo Ardiles from Argentina? And Bill said, well, I'll go and ask him. Well, I've seen this little fella playing football, you know, like everybody else on television, and he was a marvellous player. In fact, he was that good in that competition that he got player of the competition. And, of course, I said to Bill, you're taking the piss here, you. (laughs) He says, no, he says, I'm telling you, he says he's, he's available. Well, Ari Aslam had an Argentinian uh, uh, fellow working for him and he seemed to know everything that was going on in Argentina. Uh, So Ari Aslam got on the phone to me eventually and he says, Keith, I'm going to Argentina on Friday and there's a fellow coming from one of the Sheffield papers with us. Uh, Do you want to come? He says, you'll get this fellow our dealers if you do that. I said, how much is he going to cost? He said, I don't know, but he's not going to be massive money. I says, okay, I'm coming with you. (laughs) Right, but he said, I must tell you that Terry Neal of Arsenal is interested in Ricardo Villa uh, that came on a sub. I forget which game it was, but I'd seen him come on and I liked what I saw in him. And uh, I said, hmm... I wasn't too sure if, if, if he was going at the same time as me. But anyway, two days later, he rang me and he said, uh, Terry's not coming now. Uh, the Arsenal directors have said that they don't want any foreign players there. Thank God. <laughs> so, uh, we jumped yeah. on the train on the Friday and got into Argentina on the Saturday morning. And uh, who was at the... Uh, yeah. Waiting for us uh, when we got off the plane was the big fella that had a lot of trouble with us in the 1966 World Cup. Ratan. 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 Yeah, Ratan. Ratan, yeah. yeah. And he was the nicest guy that you could ever meet, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so he was the one that looked after me whilst I was there. And anyway, we got in uh, on the Saturday 
Saturday morning. And on the Sunday morning, Ozzy came uh, with his wife. And uh, immediately, there seemed to be something happened between us that we sort of liked one another, you know? It sometimes happens, and it did happen on this occasion. Um, and his wife really wanted to come to England. So that helped me a lot as well. Anyway, uh, we did the deal, and I think Ozzy cost me something like, what was it now? Uh, 340000 or something like that. God. And uh, I, said, I said to him, uh, thank you very much for that. And he says, well... Do you think that, uh, he said it in his, he didn't speak very good English, would you like to uh, sign uh, Ricardo Villa? I says, yeah, I might be interested. So anyway, <laughs> I got to know whether we'd any money in the coffers anyway, so I ring the chairman and uh, he, I said to him, can I bring another player in? Uh, our deal is as cost as... Uh, 340,000 or 50,000, I forget now. Uh, and it looks as though Ricardo Villa is another player that I could take and he's going to cost the same amount of money. He says, let me have a look to see how we're doing. Anyway, he rings me back half an hour later. Yeah, fine, we're okay for, for the money. Uh, and I saw Villa the next day and, of course, straight away signed. So in a couple of days, we've got two players from Argentina. Uh, and uh, I was delighted with it. And it's, Peter, you, 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 it was you who actually met them, wasn't it? Um, yeah, first people to... You know, it was you who actually met them when they flew over, wasn't it? Did you... Well, being the former taxi driver, they thought it was uh, sensible to send me down to the... Uh, <laughs> to the airport. The airport. <laughs> <laughs> so that I wouldn't miss them. So, of course... Uh, I, I met Ozzy and Ricky and took them to their house or whatever. And uh, the story I have to tell about that is the first game we had at home, we lost 4-1 to Aston Villa. And uh, we, we didn't look too good. So I pulled Ricky, uh, not Ricky, Ozzy after the game. I said, Ozzy, uh, when the other team have the ball, you have to work harder. Real hard work. <laughs> he said, well, that, whatever you say, coach. I said, okay, what I say is, during the afternoons, we do some stamina work. Stamina work, he said. I said, <laughs> yes, stamina work. He said, you tell Ricky that then. <laughs> so I told Ricky that, and I said, uh, we do some fitness work in the afternoon, Ricky. He said, uh, afternoon? Siesta. <laughs> I, I mustn't swear, but I did say, effing siesta, you think this is Barcelona? <laughs> and, uh, of course, we formed a good friendship uh, on, yes. on the training field because of that. They were very exciting times, actually, weren't they? Do you remember? I mean, it was just incredible with all the ticker tape and all that stuff. No one else was really doing it. Well, I mean, you're signing foreign players, you know, and it obviously opened the floodgates in a way, didn't it? We touched on the, the Villa game, and then obviously uh, yeah, hold on, we're back. we had, we, got, uh, we lost to Liverpool as well. We did, it was a horrible result, horrible result at Anfield. What, what's, what was going on in training? Yeah, what, what did yeah. you sort of say, what was going wrong at that stage? The beginning, you know, we're back in the first division, and we had a couple of thumbs. Well, if you think about it, the two of them's come into, in amongst players who they've never played with before. They've never played in English football before, and I think it was getting on top of them to a certain extent. But I think the game after we played 
Liverpool. We went away to either Leeds or Manchester City. Anybody got this? No, I, I don't know. But, um, I think it was at Leeds. Uh, at Leeds, yeah, and we beat them. Yeah. You know, so that lifted us again. And I think that season we sort of finished midway in the league. I think we finished 11th in your first season. Yeah. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. So it, it was gradually coming, and, I, and, you know, I could see how good these players were, uh, but we were lacking people up front at that stage. Um, so I knew that we'd got to get players in those positions if we were going to do really well. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, we, we, I think we finished 11th, and then, Peter, you came in uh, and became Keith's assistant, and then you brought in... Tony Galvin and Terry Yorath, and then also brought through with Chris Hughes and Paul Miller, Mark Falco. Any memories of any of those players I mentioned there? Well, if I'll just, in, uh, before Pete, um, with Tony Galvin, for me, he was the best player for the amount of money I paid for him. Yeah, value. Um, yeah. He came from Gould Town. He was at university at the, in those days, playing for Gould Town. Uh, he passed a degree in Russian. Yeah. Uh, a friend yeah. of mine <laughs> went to see him play, and he said, Keith, you must come and see this, this player. He's so good. He says, you would take him, I'm sure. And this fellow knew a little bit about the game because he'd been a director at Scunthorpe United when I was there. Um, so... Bill Nick goes to see him, and he said, yeah, he says, uh, good player, let's take him. And I got on to Gould Town. They wanted, I think, 5,000 for him, and I knocked him down to 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keith is a Yorkshireman, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And were the players coming through them? We had Chris Hewton, um, Mark Falco, um, who else came through them? Paul Miller. Paul were Miller. Were into the team Glenn, then? Glenn, I mean, they, they were working with you beforehand, presumably. Well, they, they were youth team players, and it was a pleasure to take them. They used to enjoy the coaching that we had. We was in the ball court every afternoon, and uh, it was, a, you know, someone used to have to say, well, it's time to go home now, about six o'clock. They really loved. But what, what happened with Glenn Hodder was you yeah. saw all those skills that he could do. Yeah, that must have been he could put He could put backspin on the ball in the concrete floor. And uh, when we signed Archibald and Garth Crooks uh, later, he said, look, when I get the ball, don't think about controlling it. I'll do that for you. Did it? <laughs> he used to play a yard in front of them and it would come back to them. And they couldn't believe that he could do that. But obviously, had we all saw him do that. Have you ever seen a player like Hoddle before? I mean, when, you, when you saw him as a kid, you must have seen him as a kid, obviously. I, like, I saw wow, him as a kid playing in our youth side. Uh, Liam Brady was at Arsenal in the same Arsenal youth side. Uh, I think I had a tenner bet with uh, Alan Ball about who was going to be the best player. But I think... You'd have to say that Glenn, uh, you know, done fantastic, but so, I did, mean, so did Liam as well, yeah. It's, someone, you know, someone like that comes along once a generation, possibly, or whatever. I mean, maybe not even that, actually. I mean, he's extraordinary, wasn't he? When well, he, you... he, he wasn't extraordinary, but the other Spurs players, you know, uh, without mentioning names, would say, he's a lazy bastard, that yeah. idle Pete. yeah. <laughs> And I just say, uh, well, yeah, keep, yeah. keep giving him the ball. Uh, I think you get a bonus, don't you, when you yeah, win? Give him the ball, yeah. yeah keep giving him yeah. the ball. And he yes. had to fight against that all his career because he never got the England caps that he should have got under Ron Greenwood. 
because of that. No, that's right, because he had Brian Robson. Yeah. He'd rather have I've, Brian I've Robson. To, I've got to say, Pete, that I couldn't stick the way that they treated him, the England people. They should have had... They should have centred everything around him. He was that good a player that England would have been so much a better side yes. if he'd been the top man there. Of course. And in those days, it was about the physical side of the game that they were worried about rather than the technical side. Yeah, yeah. He was a very un-English player, though, wasn't he? He was, uh, he was like from... You know. um, so that, that season we finished 14th, we had a good cup run, and then you made three key signings uh, oh, yes. before the 80-81 season. You touched on them. Yes. Archibald Crooks and Graham Roberts. Graham Roberts was another player I mean, from Weymouth, wasn't Weymouth, it? Weymouth, was How did that yeah. one come about? How the heck did you get him? Well, that came about uh, when Bill Nick had been down there to see him play. And then I heard that he was on his way to... Uh, what was he going to see? Uh, West Bromwich Albion, that was it. And uh, I managed to get hold of him as he was driving up in the car. And Bill had been so enthusiastic that I, I said, don't go up there, come into Tottenham and see me. Which he did. Uh, and he was one of our top signings in so much that I got him for 35000 um, So, you know, uh, these were great deals at the time. Oh, value for money. And, uh, and he did well for us, I suppose, over the uh, years he was there. And what was the thought? I mean, Crooks and Archer, before Crooks and Archer, we had... God... Chris Jones, uh, Jerry Armstrong, Ian Moores. Probably. I mean, these players you brought in were obviously very, very different in style. So what was the thought behind that? Was it just, we don't want the big centre forward anymore? Was that, or was it because of the way Hoddle was playing behind them? You thought it would work with Hoddle? Well, we weren't good enough up front. We weren't getting enough goals. After saying that, uh, the best player I had there... Uh, was John Duncan in so much goals per game. He was yeah. better than a goal every two games, which was tremendous, really. Yeah. But he was prone to injury, and that's why I let him go. Um, you know, it's no good if, he, if you're not playing most games, is it? And, uh, and so I got to bring somebody in, and we brought Garth Crooks in, and we brought uh, Steve Archibald in. And I think in that, that first season... Uh, they got 47 goals between them, the two of them. Um, I think it was 25 and 22, something like that, um, which was great, you know, and, and we were going places from there on, I think. Yeah, because you had two people who were scoring goals yeah. and they had an understanding, didn't yeah. they? They sort of developed. Did that develop? I mean, that, was that instant? I can't remember, actually. There, was it quite instant, wasn't it? It needed to be, I suppose, didn't it? Uh, Crooks and Archibald. Was it an instant sort of chemistry in terms of well, you know, their the, connection? For, that first season was when they got the 47 goals and they'd never seen one well, before then. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Anyway, Pete, you have the talk about it. Yeah, yes, well, I was going to ask, can I ask you this, Pete? <laughs> this is an interesting one, Peter. It says, I mean, you were coaching the players on a day-to-day basis and even at half-time during matches, Steve Archibald said, you are the best half-time man in the game. So... What were you trying to instill at them, uh, in them? Well, we'd stage? done the preparation before the game. That's the way it was going to go. Uh, Keith preferred to be uh, sideline, you know, where the pitch is, and I was always up in the stand. Uh, I felt I saw a more overall picture as to what might be good or might be bad. So uh, 
then there was a question. We never sort of uh, say uh, who's going to speak first. So it'd just be a sensible thing, depending on how the half-time approach was. But let me just say this to you, that Archibald didn't depend on Garth Crooks or vice versa. No. They depended on, well, we called him the Hod Carrier. So the Hod Carrier used to deliver, Tony Galvin used to deliver, and Ricky Vila. So there was all uh, sources of, uh, you know, possession. But what kind of things at half-time? Because Archibald is, I mean, it's a glowing tribute to say that not even the best half-time man he's played with, you know, of all time. What were the kind of things you say to him at half-time? Was it sort of talking about this defender's got a weakness here or what kind of things? Well, I used to be fairly quite spoken and, you know, I didn't think there was any sense in going in and sort of lambasting the players. It used to be a quite sensible thing as to what we needed to do the second half and... Uh, I think probably a couple of things where I would tell a midfield player <coughs> just delays run a little bit longer and he'd get into the area unmarked and uh, I think young Mike Hazard uh, benefited by that in one European tie so uh, yeah sensible little quiet things like that and uh, obviously then Keith would come in and uh, you know rattle the cage <laughs> uh, <laughs> because um, that season uh, Keith we lifted the FA Cup for the first time in 14 years, as it was then. It doesn't seem too long, really, does it now? Um, um, but the final... Um, <laughs> that, aside from the final, which we all know about, obviously, and that we'll probably come to, um, what's your recollection of the cup run culminating in that wonderful semi-final against Wolves with two games? What are your uh, recollections of that cup run? And you think, you know... Well, we were very fortunate, actually, in that first year in the cup. Uh, because I think we were drawn at, at home on just about every game, were we? Did you, did you think, ever look at I the you st- stats on that? And, uh, um, so we were fortunate in that respect. Um, I remember with the, I think we beat Leeds that year when they were pretty strong. Yeah. Um, and we had a couple of teams that were lower down in the leagues than what we were. Uh, and of course we played... Wolves in the semi-final, semi-final didn't we? Park, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, Hillsborough. Hillsborough. Hillsborough, yeah. yeah. And uh, I always felt that we were a better side than what Wolves were uh, at that time. Uh, but we, yeah. it, we finished up as a draw yeah. in the semi-final simply because the uh, referee gave them a penalty that was never Clive a penalty. Thomas. <laughs> Christ. Oh, Clive Thomas, yeah. Yeah. And I always remember saying to the press that only that man would have given that goal on that occasion. Um, Did you get in trouble for that? And the FA said, well, he's going to be the referee in the replay, which was at at Arsenal on the Wednesday. Yes. Uh, And I said, well, we'll not be playing if he's bloody refereeing. (laughs) And they listened to me and we didn't have him. We had somebody else in. Oh, we won uh, the game. We won the game, took over Highbury and famously won 3 0, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Can I just tell guy? you uh, on, on that Pete. one? Yeah, um, they made a big tactical mistake, in my opinion. Uh, Andy Gray was their best player by a distance. Andy Gray went on to be the yeah, TV yeah. comer. And uh, he, was in, he was an injury doubt. And when I took the team sheets in, uh, I looked down for Gray. He wasn't playing. And immediately I went to the dressing room and I said, we've got half a chance here, their best player's not playing. And I learned something about management there. Don't give good news to people that you're going to play right as they're going out because that gives them a 10% thing. And then we play fantastic at Highbury. I probably remember that better than the uh, final. 
Yeah, it was great. I remember that. It was. Um, what it was were the uh, going on to the final? I mean, what were the the tactics for the first game? Because we didn't play to our potential, and I, I think we, most of us agree we're you know quite lucky to, to to get the draw. What was your recollection, both of you, well, of that first game? What was said beforehand, and what was the plan? We. I always felt that we were a better football inside than the opposition. So I said, let them worry about us rather than we worry about them. Um, what happened in the game was that they kicked us off the pitch just about. You know, there was some terrible tattles going in. Uh, and I think that yeah. did cause us a big problem. We, we didn't handle it as well as we might have done. Uh, and of course, we were very, very fortunate to get a draw, really. Because uh, Glenn took a free kick and it ricocheted off one of their players into the net. And that's how we got the draw. Um, but then, of course, the replay... Anyway, go on, you talk yeah, about that one. Well, what, what happened there was that a player midfield called Jerry Gow, who, who was an animal. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His job was just to stop Glenn Hoddle playing. So I pulled Glenn before the event and said, look, uh, this boy's going to make life difficult. He said, oh, don't worry about him. I'll, I'll sort that one out. Uh, big pitch at Wembley. I said, no, no, the pitch, the measurement of the pitch at Wembley is the same as White Hart Lane, and he will nail you, so be, be on your job. Anyway, the truth of the was, the uh, uh, Glenn didn't have the best of games, but after the game, when we sat down in the dressing room, he went, all right, Peter, spot on, but you watch me on Thursday. And we think he was the best yeah. player on the field by a distance in that replay. Did we not, Keith? Yeah. It yeah. was, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen the game once since that game took place on television. Only once, really? Once, We've I all think watched I've it seen. hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've but all seen struck, it. What struck me was that Glenn was such a good player in the second game. He was easily our best player, and he worked like hell in it, you know. Um, and there was no doubt that we were going to win it. Yeah. Um, and you gave Ricky the you gave Ricky well, the nod. What, what happened at the end of the yes. first game was that Ricky had taken Ricky off and he'd gone off in a huff actually, <laughs> and he'd had a terrible game that, that, on that Saturday. Um, and I always remember walking into the dressing room uh, after the game, and Steve Perryman, my captain, he came up to me and he says, "You can't play him again on Thursday, Keith." <laughs> And I don't know why, but there's something within me said, he's got to play. And I said, Steve, he will be playing. And as soon as Ricky knew that he was playing again, it was like a flower opening up. Yeah. Oh, life's it's worth it's living. Oh, it's lovely, that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's quite good that he was playing, isn't it? Really? And what was obviously, what was both your, I mean, I know it's different when you're watching it, what was both your memories looking back of the famous goal? The goal. One peep. Well, I'll tell you what happened on that one. Uh, Ricky Vila was... Uh, in the first game at Wembley on the Saturday, you're supposed to come out and listen to the Queen singing and then wave to your wife in the crowd. You couldn't go out on the pitch and warm up. So I thought that was ridiculous. We're playing a big game here and you can't warm up. On the Thursday, it was different. So I got some balls and went out with Ricky. And I was a good performer, I've got to tell you. 
And uh, <laughs> he went one side of the band and I went another and we had, uh, you know, chip it, see if you can nearly knock one of the caps off. <laughs> so I felt that was good for Ricky. You know, it was a bit of a laugh. Now try and hit him on the head, you know. So uh, Ricky came in with a, a little bit more thing. So that was just a little coaching thing that you don't read about in the manual. It was uh, know, knowing your player. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. That is lovely. Uh, you know, what, what are your memories of that goalkeeper? I mean, obviously you... Well, I was down, like I everybody else. You're expecting him to to pass it uh, because there was other players you that he could have done. Pass it, pass it. Were you, were you yeah. Thinking, and and, and yeah. near 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 to goal every every step, and of course he sort of stumbles a little bit yes. just before he, and then the ball's in the net. Oh. And of course, you just cannot believe that he's done it. Oh. Wonderful goal, and he's he's lived a great life ever since on that goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say uh, goals change games and goals change lives as well, don't they? Yeah. Um, the following season, going on to the following season, you strengthened again and you brought in Ray Clements yes. from Liverpool. Um, again, your time before, maybe a lexic aside, we'd had some quite average goalers, Barry Danes, oh, no, no, Barry Mark Danes, Kendall. No. We, we did, they were quite poor. Um, <laughs> Was that obviously a position you thought we really needed to strengthen to kick well, off? Well, we, we, we'd had Amelia Alexic yeah. as well, hadn't we? Yeah, he was... And uh, to be fair to, to Amelia Alexic, he'd played against Manchester United. Yes. Yeah, and uh, he had his jaw smashed when, when he was in that game. Joe Jordan. Yeah. Joe Jordan smashed his, yeah. And it was one of these elbows sure. into his jaw. And I don't think he was really the same quite after that. Uh, and I felt that we got to get that scene to. And Ray Clements, I knew him inside out because I played with him at uh, Scunthorpe when he was just a kid. He was 17, I think I was about 32. Uh, but I knew him. And I thought, right, come on, let's have him. Because he was such a good goalkeeper. And of course, he, uh, he did really well for us. Yeah. yeah. Mike? Um, Peter, another player to emerge in that season was, you mentioned him before, Mickey Hazard. How did you try and fit him in to play with Hoddle? Because they were quite similar uh, in certain ways. To have both of them in the midfield, was, what was the idea behind that? So Mickey Hazard was a, a special player for Spurs. I met him at St Pancras Station, a young kid walking down a platform with a pair of yellow socks on. And I thought, what have we got here? Who have they sent us? <laughs> the, following, the following morning, Saturday morning in the South East Counties, we played Charlton away, we won 5-2, and this boy was sensational. And there was no mobile phones there. I sort of run to the uh, office at Charlton and said, look, get this boy signed up. Because other people have been at this game and they've seen what I've seen, so we, we must sign him. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, I, th- I think uh, me and Mickey were uh, bosom pals, if you like, I did help his career, but he helped mine as well because uh, he, he, could, uh, he could play. Now, when it came to the rivalry between him and Glenn, you could play the pair of them, but it was a challenge because, uh, you, you know, you, they both did similar things. But so, when that season started, I started off with Gary Stevens and Mickey Hazard in midfield. And we had a hell of a good run. And the, the press kept saying to me, well, when are you going to play Hoddle and... Uh, uh, you know, our dealers, but we was winning, so uh, I, I, I never changed the side. Well, 
if, if you want my comments about yes. that. I always felt that Mickey Hazard never played as well as he might do when Glenn was playing. He was overawed by Glenn. And I, I, he admits it himself as well, you know. Um, and it was, it was strange when he was a kid because he, he was homesick in the early yeah. stages and he was always sort of wanting to go home and forgetting about the football. And uh, this was only when he was a young kid, of course. And then we got him uh, into, the, into the way of things at Tottenham. And then he'd, he wouldn't go home at all. So his mother and dad were worried to death about him, you know. Um, but he was such a Tottenham man that he actually had his, ma- his ma- marriage at the ground. Um, yeah. And I thought that was terrific. Yeah. He, yeah. is a, he is a proper Tottenham man, Mickey yeah. Hazard. He is. He, uh, um. can, can I just say to you, he was known as the Milky Bar Kid. He used go to go on. over the sweet shop. I knew the girl in there quite well. And uh, half a dozen uh, milk trays was the order of the day. A perfect diet for Mickey Hazard. <laughs> is, that it? is that what he... <laughs> yes, he was known as the Milky uh. Bar Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say um, about strengthening the team? Though? No, well, I mean, you know, obviously it was a very successful season. Oh, yeah, that Season, yeah. another FA Cup win, League Cup final defeat in extra time against Liverpool, oh. finished fourth, and the following season, too, we finished fourth. Why do you think we missed out on the title over those two seasons? Well, we were very close, had a wonderful side. In, in the 19... I thought we had the best side all, uh, of the time that I was there in the 81-82 season. Um, but the problem for us was we were in everything. Uh, yeah. We were in the semi-final of, uh, of the Cup Winners' Cup. Uh, we had a chance in the league. Uh, we were in the semi-final of the League Cup. And we won the FA Cup. And before we played in the FA Cup final, we played... Eight games in 16 days. You know, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous when you think about it now. We played a weakened side. I don't know if Pete remembers this, but we played a weakened side at uh, Southampton because the players were absolutely knackered. And uh, the FA fined us 10,000 quid for playing a weakened side. Eight games in 16 days. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. How well, many subs, yeah? Well, the subs that we had were all kids that were coming in from the youth system, you know. And I remember that we played um, we played Liverpool late in the season that season, uh, and I think did we draw with them, Pete? I'm not sure. On, on that occasion, well, yeah. I think that we drew two two, and we'd got a load of young kids out against them, you know. Which was an achievement. Um, we strengthened again that period, uh, Peter. Uh, it brought in Alan Brazil. Gary Mabbott, Danny Thomas, um, Gary Stevens. But obviously, which was your final season, Keith, was the wonderful European campaign. Yeah. What are your memories of that? Before the final, the memories of that wonderful, wonderful run we had in Europe that season. Well, I thought the biggest thing for us was that we beat Bayern Munich, yeah. you know, which was fantastic. And the other, and the other thing uh, that we did... We played uh, the Dutch, uh, the um, Dutch team. Ajax. 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 Final, sorry. 
But not the hard okay, the fourth suit. Final. Not the door. Yeah, play final. Uh, we talk- Pardon? We play final. Final? Was it? No, not the Dutch side. Bound. We bet. played the Dutch team. <laughs> <laughs> it's organic. And that was Feyenoord. And uh, I think that we played possibly as well in that first half as we ever played under my jurisdiction. They were absolutely fantastic. And they criticised Glenoddle, uh, the Dutch side, and he was absolutely marvellous that day. And we were... Um, was it 4-0 up at half-time? Please? Yeah, 4-0. Yeah, yeah what happened there, Jan Cruyff played for the opposition, and uh, he had gone public to say, this young boy called Hoddle, he will not get a kick of the ball. I shall mark him. Well, after 20 minutes, we were 4-0 up. And uh, it was a special vintage show by Glenn. He was seeing, seeing passes that was uh, never on. They had to change it, and they changed it, but we still won comfortably. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's we actually idea. went to their place as well, and we beat them 2-0 there. So, you know, um, we, we, we had a good, pretty good side at that stage. One, one player we mentioned, Keeb, is, uh, is known as uh, Mr Tottenham himself, your captain. Steve Perryman, um, what did he bring to the team? What did he bring, in your, in your opinion? Well, Steve was tremendous because he was one of these players that hardly ever missed a game. He was there for the team. He was a team member, you know, and he would look after all the other players as well. Um, and he was so wrapped up in it and wanting to do so well, he would be on the phone to me every Sunday for about an hour and a half talking about football to me. <laughs> you know, he was that keen about it. He was a tremendous captain. Um, yeah. Through my life as, as a coach and a, and a, and a manager, yeah. um, he was the best captain that I uh, was in touch with then. Yeah. Can, can yeah. I just... Uh... Go, on, Go on, Peter. Uh, Stevie P was a different class, of course, and he played about 300 league games, something like that, plus... 300 and, uh, league games. It, it, uh, he played 840 or something oh, like sorry. that. Oh, sorry. OK, so he played 840 games. I was all uh, keen on uh, stretching muscles out and doing, you know, the correct technology. And uh, Ozzy Ardelius and him, I got together, and I said, how close can you get to touching your toes? And they got just past their knees. And I said, Gordon, then you are taking one here. No, no, we can't do no more than that. And those two boys, who had marvellous, marvellous careers, could just about get past their kneecaps. That's a fact. So I don't know if you want to phone Arsenal and tell them, but that's what you have to do. Uh, uh, Keith, the, the uh, two legs against Anderlecht in the final were incredible. Um, yeah. Do you think you were unlucky not to take, take a lead uh, to the second leg at White Hart Lane? And what, what's your memories of that wonderful Well, night? the first leg was over in Belgium, wasn't it? And I thought that we played really, really well that day. Yeah. Uh, they were very lucky that we only drew the game. I thought that we should do, come away two or three goals up, actually. And then they yes. came to our place. And when you looked at our team, it was unbelievable. Uh, oh, Glenn yeah. wasn't available. Steve Perryman wasn't available. Uh, Ozzy was sat on the bench. Glenn, uh, Glenn never played. 
Glenn wasn't. No, I know. I've said that. Yeah, yeah. Goalkeeper didn't play. We had decimated. Pardon? Decimated the team. Oh, it was unbelievable. We've got a lot of young kids in, and okay, we battled away, and it it was one-one, and they were possibly the the better side over the ninety minutes. Um, but of course, we went through and, and we got uh, oh. we did better than them in the uh, on the penalties. Yeah, Graham Roberts. Yeah, of course, Graham Roberts had a huge impact on that, really, in a way, didn't he? Um, yeah, sorry, Mike, you're going to say. Um, yeah. Talk about the, the, you two working together. Obviously, a fantastic partnership working together. You really look at the, the cups that we won when you both there. What, what do you think it was between the two of you that that worked so well? Well, I think from my point of view, I realised how good he was with the players uh, he was one of them from my point of view I used to stay away from them a little bit you know so that I'd got some when I said things they listened to me um, but I always had my beat and the way that he saw the game and I think that I saw the game in a similar sort of fashion uh, and one of the things that I wanted to do with the Tottenham side, was be the best footballing team in the in the first division in those days. I, I, I wanted to play football that the spectators could enjoy every time they came to see us play. Um, and and I think because I I was. I was wanting that all the time. We probably didn't do as well in the league as we might have done sometimes. Peter, your thoughts on, on the partnership? Well, I, I, it comes back pleasant memories. I was quite a decent player. And I could join in the five sides. And uh, I used to say, give it me, give it me, I've got a plan. Don't give it to Odder, he's useless. <laughs> and that was all part of the banter of me saying, but uh, I, I was not bad. <laughs> Mike, do you want to ask Keith why? Uh... Um, I mean, obviously, you famously uh, left after the uh, the UEFA Cup win. Why did you see? Why did you decide to leave the club at that stage? We just lifted well, the UEFA Cup. We had a new fella come in, didn't we, as, as owner of the club? Um, and we didn't really get on together, uh, the pair of us. Um, we were playing in the quarter-finals of the UEFA Cup uh, against uh, uh, Austria-Vienna and we're away from home and about four o'clock in the afternoon he came to my bedroom with the, with the assistant chairman and the pair of them said look, uh, you're not going to be allowed to run the club as you've been doing we are going to bring in the players here we are going to decide how much uh, money they're going to get as wages, um, you know, and it went on and on. And I said, oh, I said, but uh, don't you think it's the wrong time to be coming in here at four o'clock? We've got a game on at quarter to eight, quarter final of the, of, of the cup. Anyway, uh, that started it all off, I think, and... Um, in the end, I knew that he'd been, lo- he'd, he'd, he'd been looking for a, another manager. I knew of it, and uh, he'd made a, a proposal to one of them. 
And um, I thought, well, there's, there's no, no way that I can stay here next season. So um, I said, OK, I'll leave. And that was it. Must have been very, very difficult and sad for you with the you winner. Know, well, wonderful time I you knew had for class. a fact that if, if, if I could have stayed, we'd have won more stuff. Because we got the... Yes! We, we've got players that could do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but he didn't allow it. And uh, I, was, I, I was really sick about it, but there we yeah. are. And the, the way that the club was run was being changed, if you think about yeah. it. Clubs were becoming public limited companies. So they were be, being run as a business rather than, rather than a football club. You know, and, and uh, I said something to one of the reporters, didn't I? This used to be a football club here. Yes. You did no, say that, didn't you? You actually longer. said that. And um, Peter, Peter, did you think it was a natural progression for the board to appoint you manager? Well, obviously, I've been at the club by then for yeah. about 11 years in different levels, youth team. I knew the club, uh, I knew the odd fellas on the corners. We used to have a guy that paid out the kids for expenses. So Paul Miller would come from Bethnal Green on a Thursday night and he'd say to uh, Jimmy Joyce, who was the old boy, uh, 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 £1.20, Jimmy. That's uh, 40p. Make it do. So I'm trying to sign all these top-class stars, and Jimmy Joyce is stopped changing them on their expenses. So that, that was a character of the club. He also liked to drink, did you? So I used to have to drive him home on a Tuesday and a Thursday. He'd see off a bottle of whiskey, no danger. Uh, um, it was a great first season. We finished third. And we were very close to the title. So what's your yeah, memories of that? Season? My memories of that is... Um, what happened that time, we had some home games and we thought, you know, wrongly thought we could sort of get those points. Yeah. Uh, I had some serious injuries and uh, what, what you did then at, at Spurs at that club, if the left-back was injured, you brought in the reserve team left-back. That was it. That was the policy of the club. If the centre-half was injured, you brought in the thing. Well, the three lads that I brought into were, were not quite physically uh, strong enough to do that. But they, the three of them are sold to Norwich, and they finished up one in the UEFA Cup with Norwich. So, uh, you know, there was pedigree That's players. That's football, isn't it? And you, yeah. strengthened, you strengthened in your second season. You signed Chris Waddle. Chris uh, Waddle, yeah. How did that come about? You obviously liked him and thought, oh, I'll have him. He's great, yeah. Chris uh, Waddle played for Newcastle yeah. and uh, Exeter yeah. drew him in the FA Cup and they played at Newcastle and got a draw. So I drove down to Exeter with Bill Nick actually and I thought, well, yeah. let's see how this boy does in the cup tie on a Tuesday night at Exeter. <laughs> and he was the best player on the field and uh, automatically. And uh, I had a bit of rapper with uh, uh, Chrissy. I knew Chrissy from the England set-up, you know. So uh, he, he was a marvellous player. Wonderful player, wasn't we, he? I signed him for four, four, five, and the club sold me for four million. Yes. I'm yes. waiting for the cheque. Yes, to Marseille. Um, is it, it's true you missed out on some key players, Peter? Uh, like, I understand, like Morton Olsen and Frank Reichardt. Is that right? Were you after Reichardt? Morton Olsen played uh, against... He was Ajax, wasn't he? Ajax yeah. in the European... He was a sweeper. And uh, I, I, I honestly felt that we could change our... You know, not many clubs in England knew the sweeper system. And I, as a coach, it was a challenge for me. So I went over to Copenhagen. I interviewed the player. And the deal was done. And oh. then he said, uh, what about my dogs? 
oh, <laughs> hang on. Right. <laughs> I've got a problem here. Uh, what do you mean, what about your dogs? He said, well, I've got two dogs. Well, I'll, you know, OK. I said, well, no, you can't. You can't bring your two dogs to uh, England. And uh, that deal broke down because of his two dogs. Oh, isn't that amazing? <laughs> that yeah. is ma- and Frank we, uh, Reichardt? We didn't quite uh, say that, but that's what happened. Frank Reichard was not uh, one that I was in. Oh, right. It was someone else wanting that, you know. Um, later on, obviously, Peter, you, you came back, um, um, well, you were replaced by uh, David Pleat after you finished 10th, but post Venables, you came back uh, 91 and were working with players like Gary Lineker, Paul Walsh, Vinnie Samways, Naeem. It was a very strong team you had then, wasn't it? It was a strong team, but the response of the players wasn't the same as I'd had with the other group of players. I think when you're the coach, uh, you're Uncle Peter. When you're the manager, you're that idiot Sreezy. <laughs> because you're not, <laughs> you're, you're not picking them and this thing. But it was a difficult time for me at that time with that group of players. Uh, they didn't have the passion uh, for the club that the other boys had had before, I would have to say that. And finally, just on this, this section now, I mean, looking back at both your careers at Tottenham, what, what, what does now, what's, when you look back, what does Tottenham Hotspur mean to both of you? Well, for myself, I think uh, that they're a ter- terrific club. Uh, they haven't won enough trophies over the last few oh, years, as it, they should have done. No. I do think that they should have done something about the stadium long before this uh, when I was there I proposed uh, that ourselves and you might not agree on this one ourselves and Arsenal shared a ground simply because we could, we could build a ground that would hold 70,000 and they, they had to talk about it they, all the directors and they decided not to do it but, you know, there's, a, there's two sides in, in Italy that does the same thing, and they're very successful. <laughs> but anyway, I do think that uh, the stadium should be a lot better than it is. You know, with 30-odd thousand, you, you cannot put yourself forward as a top, top team, really. You know, you look at Manchester United, 70-odd thousand... And this is, this is a problem yeah. for him, I think. Well, I still, I still think everybody's got Spurs. Uh, you know, they could possibly finish in the top four from what I've seen this season. Uh, I think they've got some young players. I was so impressed with their manager. Uh, they'd done a tribute to Dave Mackay at the training ground. He didn't know who Dave Mackay was, but he knew the history of the club. Yeah, and he came right. down there and uh, he got round to the people. And I thought, well, that shows some style, that. Well done. Yeah. Fantastic. Right? Well, I think... uh, Well, I'm sure we can open this up to the floor, if that's okay, gentlemen. But for now, please show your appreciation for Peter Shreve and Keith Berkenshaw. Thank you very much. Thank you.
This show is brought to you in association with Labbooks. Just click the link on the description to the show, sign up and get a free bet up to £50 when you enter the promo code LAD50. Go on, do it. This is a Playback Media production, served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.